I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hi, I'm Kylie Merritt, the founder of AusBiz. Our goal at AusBiz is to provide you with news and information you can use to make better investment decisions, whether it's live, on demand, in the newsletter or a podcast like the COB. We make it available at no cost to you. The bigger our audience, the more we can invest in great content. So I have a favor to ask. If you could take a minute to leave a review of the COB in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help us grow. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at osbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. From Barangaroo Studios, the Osbiz COB is the key stuff you need to know about the day in business and finance. Well, hello, hello. It is uh, March the 2nd. It's a Tuesday. It's RBA Tuesday. I'm uh, Scotty here, joined by Annette. Uh, look, it's been another pretty busy day. And uh, the local equity market, uh, look, a case of what could have been. It was uh, no such a bright start <laughs> and it just fizzled into the close. What's happening there? Well, I think when we were on air at about 10.30, I think uh, we were up one point. 2%. It was green across the board. And the only real sector that seemed to be disappointed was gold. Any any of those gold miners were sort of had a, a soggy one and we thought they were going to be the outlier. Well, everybody joined the party by the end. Mean reversion. So, of course, uh, look, the local market finished down. Uh, Margie, the uh, X2C, uh, just in negative territory. The uh, XJ was down a little bit more of 0.4% there. Uh, but trying to go and Put your finger on what was going on. It was a pretty disappointing performance after what we saw yesterday, of course, uh, some very strong gains coming through. There was a senior Chinese official who was making a few noises about asset bubbles, both in China and abroad and the risks that were posed by them. But apart from that, uh, I was really struggling to go and see any catalyst that could potentially explain what's going on. Uh, you, any uh, wiser to what's, what happened there? No, we were the same. I mean, we'd love a good macro story and it's not like bond yields, you know, jumped out and bit equity. So it wasn't that. Uh, uh, the data didn't really disappoint. We had a solid contribution from the public sector feeding into tomorrow's GDP. We had a correction in building approvals, but that was just so expected. Uh, big jump in December followed by a fall in January. So it wasn't that either. So it had to be some sort of externality. Maybe it is China jaw-burning asset bubbles. Yeah, of course. Um, maybe moving towards tighter policy there. Of course, first into the pandemic, first out as well. So really to see how China's officials go and handle this recovery phase into a, no, potentially a tightening phase in time. Uh, look, let's go and speak about our own central bank. You've touched upon the, uh, the bond yield situation. Long bonds did start to creep up later in the session. That did coincide with the RBA's policy statement for March being released. Uh, there wasn't a lot in it that I, I picked up on. There was a couple of things, though. There was no real change in tone about the Aussie dollar, of course. It went and hit to 80 cents not too long ago. The housing market as well uh, did feature. But look, the Central Bank really pushing that to view that it's going to take a lot of long slog and work to go and get labour market additions to the point where we start seeing inflation back within the target. 
Yeah, I mean, let's face it. They had to walk us through the better economy. They had to mention that house prices are picking up. Some indicators are running hotter than expected. But really, when it comes to the punchline, the RBA is well, well away from its inflation target, reminding us yet again, they actually want inflation in the band and not just forecast it. And we know inflation's running at 1.4 and the bottom of the band is two. And that was the only way they could possibly be dovish. Uh, Central banks don't move quickly. Uh, They only really just announced QE2 a mere four weeks away. So it probably was premature to expect them to to dish out something else today. But, you know, markets always need to be fed and they weren't fed today. We were lucky enough to have a chat with uh, Stephen Halmerick, of course, uh, Commonwealth Bank's chief economist, uh, right after the uh, decision dropped. uh, We had a bit of a chat about uh, the QE program there's like no we're up to QE infinity it seems like around the world but uh, there's even mutterings now that uh, the RBA might do a QE3 we haven't even started QE2 at the moment Uh, where do you stand when it comes to that what will we need to see to go and see QE3 rolled out I think the RBA needs to at least finish QE1 and maybe be halfway through QE2. Uh, as we've been talking all day, the RBA can't empty the chamber of all its bullets by March when we've still got months and months of vaccine rollouts, global growth pickups, the borders still aren't open. There's so many potential negatives still out there in the economy. They really need to keep what powder dry that they have and just keep it in the in the chamber. No one's talking negative interest rates, by the way. That was a, a conversation maybe uh, coming out of the UK or coming out of the RBNZ. We certainly never had that conversation here. Yeah, I don't really see the benefits of negative interest rates. It sends a really bad signal to me from a psychological perspective. So uh, we're interesting to see how the RBA treads from here. A lot of the uh, movements in other central banks, I think, will be quite influential as to what unfolds. Look, uh, outside of the macro sphere of things today, we did have some good conversations as well. We spoke with David Lang from Picture Partners earlier today about the ETF space, the portfolio construction in that place. Yeah. ETS, there is definitely a place when it comes to how you can go and play uh, no, various thematics using ETS without having to go in and you know, go through endless and endless reports about understanding what a company actually does. Mm. Yeah, e- ETFs is a great way to avoid the risk of holding a single name, a single stock. And usually the reason why you buy a stock is because you like the theme. So you can buy uh, like a NASDAQ type ETF, you can buy housing ETFs, you can buy minerals, you can buy gold, you can just get an exposure to a theme without that risk of holding one name. We also had a chat uh, with Steve Johnson, a very uh, popular figure here, Chief Investment Officer at Forager Funds Management. I'd uh, give his scorecard about what was going on with the reporting season today. And uh, he was uh, saying that uh, no, that he thought it was a pretty, uh, no, pretty good result across the board. Lots of companies paying dividends and uh, no, really not having to go and cut dividends last year, albeit some of them were forced to do so. But uh, he said that noticed like we had as well that there hasn't been any major share price reaction uh, when it comes to those reports. And he seemed to think that it's still a lot of uncertainty out there about what the outlook entails. Of course, one of the most uh, no, favorites uh, no, out there that we see at the moment is the discretionary retailers have been booming, absolutely booming. But no one's prepared to go and say, hey, look, uh, we think it's going to continue. No, even the companies themselves aren't prepared to say that these boom conditions will continue. I think the pressure was certainly on the sectors that are benefiting from COVID, such as housing stocks, retail stocks, 
uh, and at-home healthcare, uh, home care, all of those sectors have done very well. And I think that the fact that they still managed to meet very lofty expectations, I think the pressure is on for them to maybe not meet them in the second half and hence that's why we got the caution in the outlook because let's face it, I uh, put my life on the line here and say I don't think we're going to get third waves We've already shut the borders. So the risk is there that they reopen and maybe we start looking at travel stocks, for example. But, yeah, I, I just think they feel like they just can't keep up that momentum, that positive momentum. That's me hitting the, uh, the wood there. Touch wood, hopefully we don't get a third wave. We're done with COVID, so I can go and, uh, go and rack off. We've had enough of you. Uh, look, uh, let's go and get to our uh, stock of the day, Whisper. Uh, no, talking about companies that have benefited from this pandemic period. Uh, a lot of people working from home, they need to go and uh, communicate effectively with each other and your clients. So we went and put it to our experts uh, no, to go and get their views. We had uh, Mark Morland from Team Invest and Scott Phillips from The Motley Fool give their take on Whisper WSP. Uh, take a listen. Hard to fault their performance thus far. Open question about whether you should invest in them. And I've said before on this program, mate, it's actually a recommendation one of our services. And I had a member contact me and say, how can you say on Osbiz that you should be careful but recommend it over here? This is a stock you should be buying as part of a diversified portfolio, potentially a basket play of a number of these types of businesses, or at the very, very least, make sure you have a broad portfolio. You know, last time I think I said, hold this, I'll say buy uh, to, to placate that member who asked. But really, you know, be very, very, very careful. When I, when I give answers here of, do I buy or do I sell? You're asking me for a balance of probabilities. As part of a broad portfolio, you're saying, does the portfolio itself do well? And that's a slightly different question. It feels nuanced, but the, the nuance is important. Yeah. Well, this has only been listed for two years and yeah. it's got a market cap of over 400 million. So it's not tiny, mm-hmm. um, but it's uh, last year, it's ROE was minus 50%, which effectively means it lost 50% of its capital, which is why they're doing a raising now. Right. So these guys are a long way away from uh, making a profit because we don't do speculative. Yep. And that's what it is. It's speculative yep. at the moment. Um, and very, I'd say very speculative. Actually, it's a high price for, even though sales are growing at 28 or 39%, which is good. That's encouraging. Yeah. It's a long way away from being profitable. <laughs> The company are completing an oversubscribed $45 million placement to new and existing institutional investors to go and fund those growth ambitions there at the company. Look, uh, we've got another busy day. Of course, we're still digesting earnings season here in Australia, what the implications are for investors. Speaking of Whisper, we're going to speak with the chief executive of that company tomorrow, Jeremy Wells at 9.20. Also have Brendan Malone. He's the chief executive of Ray's giving his uh, no backdrop about what's going on in that very popular uh, space of uh, of savings and micro cap savings. And on the macro front, we have uh, Dan Gerard, Senior Global Asset uh, Strategist at State Street Singapore. Uh, also, Mikhail Case, who's a portfolio manager at Schroeder's. Uh, and we'll go and round off the day with Ben Clark. Good old Ben. Uh, he's a portfolio manager at TMS Capital. Always great to go and chew the fat with over the, uh, what has been happening in these crazy markets at the moment. Uh, Annette, just to go and uh, round off affairs, you mentioned we have the national accounts here in Australia tomorrow. Backward looking. But uh, no, what are we looking for? What, uh, what should investors be thinking? This is what the key piece of this puzzle is to go and help drive investment decisions moving forward. Well, as we were just saying, the consumer is the powerhouse this time around. That's 60% of GDP. We know about half of it through retail sales. So it'll be what else have consumers spent their money on because the retail sales exclude so many things like health, education, utilities, transformation, trans- transportation, 
all of those sectors, we don't necessarily know what they did during the pandemic. So that will be worth keeping an eye on. We know trade didn't add to growth. So we assume that will turn around at some stage. And we also know business investment is missing. Now, the actual number this week was a, last week, so it was a little better than expected, but it's still the missing uh, piece of the puzzle. The two big drivers is are going to be government spending and household spending. It's worth keeping an eye on GDP. We'll be speaking to IFM Chief Economist uh, Alex. Joiner. Yeah, Alex Joiner. Joiner. Yeah, be joining us. Yeah, really easy to see how we're going. Of course, I always find it fascinating that the largest part of the entire national accounts, no, uh, no services spending, we don't, uh, don't get anything until the actual day. I find that remarkable. It's one of those uh, no questions. Why don't we do something better to go and give some clarity as to what to expect? But hey, look, it makes us some great headlines of the day, of course. So you, know, you and me will be able to go and dissect that and really ramp it up if we do get a surprise on that front. So look, it's going to be another pretty hectic day. So we're going to go and uh, put our feet up and relax for a bit. Uh, hope you have a fantastic evening and we'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. Do it again tomorrow. Cheers.